Today's episode is episode 154 and today's episode title is called Conscious Dating. Today I'm joined by Emer O'Neill. Emer is a hypnotherapist and a mind coach. She's also a cacao lover. On today's episode, we explore dating, the world of online dating, offline dating. We talk about how Emer helps people to get to the root causes of their frustrations with dating, what they're doing wrong, what patterns they're in, how to break the pattern. That's where the hypnotherapy comes in. That's, we just explored this today. It's really about looking inwards, taking a look at yourself, which is the common person in all these patterns, and identifying the patterns that you're in to make dating and your love life uh, a bit more enjoyable. So I enjoy talking to Emer. As a single person myself, I often find the dating world a bit of a challenge, and I often give in to these feelings of overwhelm that is just too much of a head fuck. But on today's episode, we get to the root of how you can go about consciously dating, finding the right matches more often, finding people who are on a similar wavelength. I think that's what it's all all about. That's what I got from speaking to Emer and from my interactions with Emer. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and thanks again for listening. Okay, so thanks for joining us today, Emer. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, so my first question is, who are you and what are you doing in the world today? So my name is Emer O'Neill and I am working with people who want to create healthy, loving relationships, who are done with the toxic cycles, who realize that, you know, they've not been creating the best relationships for themselves in the past and they're ready to figure out why and start creating better relationships. So we do that through um, a combination of uh, conscious work and subconscious work, which gets into the all of the things that are driving you that you don't even realize, the things that are running on autopilot since childhood. And so we can break out of those patterns. And so whether you've had a good childhood or a bad childhood, doesn't matter the kinds of relationships you've observed in the past, you're able to break out of that conditioning and start creating what you actually want. So that's the kind of work that we can do. So when did, when did you start becoming aware of these patterns in the subconscious mind and, and uh, how it relates to what you're doing today? Um, several years ago, when I started reading personal development books, listening to podcasts and doing that kind of thing, I started to take on the different recommendations that people would say and um, started listening to the own to the messages that were going on in my own mind and the thoughts that I was having, the things that I was saying to myself. And I realized that I was being very hard on myself and having really high expectations. And I was criticizing myself in a way that I would never criticize anyone else. And so I decided to change that. And I decided to start being kinder to myself. Um, I would have taken on the messaging of I am enough, I'm good enough, um, and I can be confident in myself. And even if it didn't maybe feel totally true in the beginning, the more I said it, the more I felt it and the more it felt real. And so as I realized that that was changing my life completely, it was having such a positive impact on how I navigated difficult situations. So I went through a particular month in my life a couple of years ago where my job was at risk of redundancy, my relationship ended, the apartment I was living in was going up for sale, so lost my apartment at the same time. And it was just everything stressful happening at once. And I kind of breezed through it, even though it was difficult. 
and I was facing difficult things because I'd learned how to control the messages that I was allowing in my mind. I was focusing more on the, okay, what can I do? I'm great at coping. I can figure this out. And I was using more positive messages. So when I really realized how much that was helping me, I decided I wanted to help others. And so I trained with Marissa Peer, who is, um, she's on Mind Valley, which is a personal development platform. And she is a world leading hypnotherapist. She's worked with um, Oscar winning actors, Olympic athletes, CEOs, rock stars, royalty, the most uh, successful people in the world would go to her for their hypnotherapy to, to reprogram their subconscious, to get from the trajectory that they were on to the trajectory that they wanted to be on. And so I wanted to train with the best. I wanted to learn from the best. So I trained with her. And since then I've been working with people and changing, cha helping them to change their own lives. Why the love and dating? What drew you to that? Why did you realize that that was the thing you wanted to help people with? I, I noticed when I was studying as a hypnotherapist, I was single at that time and I was, I had just, um, I was looking back at the relationships I had in the past and I realized I didn't want to repeat the same patterns and I didn't know how yet, but when I was training as a hypnotherapist, I started to ask my practice partners to help me with love and dating and with my different problems in, um, in accepting love, you know, receiving love rather than just giving, giving, giving and um, confidence to speak up and set boundaries and to listen to my own needs. All of that was stuff that was coming up for me. And so I was really only working on it for myself. But when I was making the changes in my own mind, I saw the difference in how I showed up. So what I mean by that is before I did hypnotherapy and before I did all of that internal work, I was trying to impress people when I was out on dating apps or when I was out meeting people, I was trying to be liked. I was looking for approval and validation. And I would talk to people that I knew I wasn't really interested in, but because them talking to me validated that I was worth talking to. That was a pattern that I noticed afterwards. And after I did the work, I started to notice that I was being myself and really loving who I was, letting people know who I was and allowing the people who liked me to come to me. And it was a totally different experience. I was on dates with really, really good people, Re people who were, you know, we could have a fantastic conversation about what we thought about personal development because I had put on my dating app profile that I was interested in personal development. And so naturally I was meeting people who had, who were like-minded and I went from one reality to a completely different reality simply by working on myself. And I noticed that actually there weren't a lot of people talking about this because a lot of the dating advice is very old fashioned. When you think about the messages that would have been prevalent decades ago and they have adapted and changed, but there's still very much a mindset of attracting by being the best possible representation of yourself rather than being the truest possible representation of yourself. There's still that mindset within the, um, any of the dating advice that I've seen on YouTube or on Instagram 
there's still very much an idea that you can manipulate somebody into liking you. Hmm. What to say, what to text him to make him fall for you, how to get your ex back. There's a lot of trying to manipulate people. And before I did my own inner work, I just thought that that was normal. I just, I didn't even question it. And then I realized that that's not the secret. The secret isn't to manipulate other people into liking you and wanting to be with you. You can't trick somebody into deciding they want to spend the rest of their life with you. It's different. It's a totally different method that gets real results. And I decided that I really wanted to share what I'd found with people and to give them a new way to build more authentic relationships and to actually love who they are in the process and enjoy it, you know? Hmm. Did you find like a vulnerability in admitting that it was the love and dating side of things you wanted to help with, with your peers in the hypnotherapy? Totally, totally. In the beginning, I, I felt like I wasn't ready because I would have to show that private side of myself. And I also wondered if it was really important enough to work on dating and attracting people. And was that not a little bit superficial? Ah. I sat with those thoughts for a while before I decided to, to go for it. And the reason I did was that I realized there's nothing superficial about human connection. That is the, I think the most important thing we have, you know, there's areas of your life that make you happy. And if they're all going well, then you're, you're going to be quite happy. And, you know, you can talk about career and finances. You can talk about your health, your, your physical, uh, emotional well-being. But your connection with other humans is right up there at the top. And when I had that realization, I realized that actually it was so, so important to do this work because it's not just, it's not just about attracting a person to go on a date with you and convincing them that you're a great person. It's about loving yourself enough to create real, authentic human connection with another person and to be vulnerable with them and to get to know somebody and build a relationship with somebody who's actually gonna support you throughout the rest of your life. And I thought there's no more important work than that. So it was a little bit of a transition, but I'm all in now. That sounds good. Like the, the human connection part, that, like that's a good way of looking at it. Like I, I feel sometimes, yeah, the dating and uh, the dating app, sometimes it can be very superficial and can't, you can easily fall into that external looking mindset of who should I be to impress the people that I think I'm attracted to. But when you're looking at the human connection part, the self-acceptance connection, that begins with connection to yourself. And you're connecting in a real way with real people. Like, because uh, like, that's something that I, I think it's only been in recent months I've started to look at that. Because I did actually feel like it was frivolous, the dating and the love side of things. I needed to get my career in order and all the other serious stuff in order first. And then somebody might take me more seriously and I'd attract them like that. I kind of, that was my kind of an unconscious, unconscious assumption. But I guess the, the question here is with, uh, so it's a self-acceptance part, but 
how do you know you're ready that you're not seeking for validation from somebody else when you're going into these dating arenas? Like, how do you know that you're coming from a place of self-acceptance and it's not just you waiting around for somebody or is that, is that balance between being patient? It's kind of like, it's a difficult one. It's like, it's that, how do you know you're actually ready and you're not just trying to be patient waiting around for somebody? So how do you know you're ready? There was a couple of things that you mentioned there. Yeah. One of them was... Um, it was you're... being comfortable in yourself without feeling like you're waiting around. You're being patient. You don't think you're ready yet. I feel sometimes actually you need to also meet the right person. You're also developing that self-acceptance in the same process, but it's hard to know when that, how to balance that dance that you're not waiting around. Yeah. And this will be, everyone listening will receive this differently because each person's at their own stage in life. And so you'll have some people who believe they're not ready, but they actually are. They just have to do the uncomfortable thing and start going out on the dates and start seeing, okay, why do I think I'm not ready? And it might be, I think I'm not ready because like you mentioned career and getting established in that way. And I have other things to do before I can be ready for a relationship, but you can do those things at the same time. You know, people might be making excuses for why they're not ready. Mm. Now there's other people who will be listening who are genuinely not ready. You know, they may be straight out of another relationship and they wouldn't have the space in their mind or in their heart to move on to, to genuinely fully 100% move on to a new person yet. And so for each person, it will be their own journey of trying and seeing how that affects you. So just being really self-aware throughout the whole process without judging yourself if you find out, actually, I'm not ready. And one way you might not be ready is if you start, if you're not sure, start meeting people, start going on dates and see and if the same kind of trigger keeps coming up Mm. there's probably something there that you still need to work on and it might be a good idea to take some time actively work on that and then come back but if you wait until you're 100% ready you're going to be waiting until you're dead because (laughs) every time you break through one new like break through to the next level there's something else to work on we can always find a reason to not be ready. And so I think the my advice to people not being able to speak directly to each individual and figure out their own um, you know, scenario, I would say, try it, see what comes up and work through that thing. Then try it again and see what comes up and work through that thing. But it's definitely all should, there should always be some forward motion. Either you're, meeting people, dating, creating opportunities, or you're not, but you're moving forward in your personal development. You're going to see a professional, uh, you know, a therapist or psychologist or whoever is the right person for you. And you're working through your past relationship issues, your childhood issues, your, you know, your parents' issues, the uh, everything that you've inherited. Because when you think about it, the people who raised us were raised by other people who were raised by other people who were raised by other people and they've passed down many of the same messages and so a lot of what we learned are is not our own truth 
And so there is a lot for us to work through, but as long as there's some forward motion, either you're working on your personal stuff or you're moving forward and, and creating opportunities to meet somebody or both. If you can do both at the same time, then that's great. Yeah. Does that kind of answer what you were going for? No, that made sense there. Actually, when you're talking, it was that it was that person that could be out of a relationship, but they need to jump into a relationship straight away that they're looking for. They, they don't understand themselves without being in relation to somebody else, without being in relationship. I feel mm-hmm. like uh, sometimes that type of person needs to take time for themselves. And that was kind of the question there. When, when are they just at the point of waiting around? When do they know to go back out? But what you said there was good that it's an experimental approach too. Like you can also just go on a date and see what happens there. Is a new pattern showing up or is it the same pattern again? Uh, another thing that can happen, oh, I found in my life, you can go on a date and there's no actual uh, chemistry there. There's no, there's no kind of attraction there. Is that a pattern or is that... Is that the kind of world of online dating where you can have a kind of good conversation going within when you meet up? There's no actual um, attraction there. It can be both. These questions, I, I always wish I could give a yes, no answer, but it really depends on the person. And so if you are, you know, you've done your work and you're healthy and balanced mentally and emotionally to the point where you can get chemistry with people and we can always make the comparison to friendship. If you're in a place where you can open up and be yourself with other people and feel chemistry with other humans, and then you go on a date and there's no chemistry, it's probably literally that there's just no chemistry between the two people and that's okay because we don't have chemistry with everyone and it's not going to develop in time. It's just one of those things that it's there or it's not there and you really don't want to be in a relationship with somebody that you have no chemistry with so it's nice to just end it there and not go any further however we can actually prevent ourselves from feeling that chemistry with anyone by being too guarded by being afraid to open up afraid to show ourselves and we can use it as a protection mechanism so each person will have to sit with themselves and see what is coming up for them. And then the other thing that I want to mention is that we can feel um, very strong, what we think is chemistry, what feels like chemistry with somebody who's really not good for us. And so the word chemistry even may not be the right word for that feeling because that can be an addiction. Hmm. Chemistry, we can mistake chemistry for, we can make mistake addiction for chemistry, but the addiction is feeling like you're back in a very familiar uh, scenario where maybe you have to chase to make somebody love you, or maybe there's some unhealthy dynamic where it's a push pull. And a lot of people will mistake that for chemistry as well. So chemistry is a tricky one to talk about. I really would generally prefer to speak to each person individually and see their, like their details and their particulars of the situation to figure out exactly what's going on. But I think we can always just pay attention to be self-aware and to pay attention to what's coming up. And if it's a fear, if it's a resistance, then maybe you've got something to work on. If it's literally that you showed up, everything was fine and there was no chemistry, then it can just be that there's no chemistry. What are the, some of the, the main patterns you've seen? Or what are some of the, the main mistakes people are making when it comes to the dating? 
So there's a couple that are really, really common. And the thing is that they're common, not because there's anything wrong with the person who's doing the mistake. Often it comes from actually being a really, um, really kind, loving person who would be a fantastic partner for somebody. They're just choosing the wrong partners. And so one of the big mistakes that people do is they will see that the person they're dating is a good person. They'll understand their background and where they came from. And so they'll ignore red flags and bad behavior because they understand why the person is the way they are. They can understand maybe they had a really um, traumatic end to their last relationship. And so it's it's understandable if they don't want to open up to me straight away. It can be understandable, but you have to be very um, aware that your partner needs to be not just a good person, but they also need to have good behaviors. That's the only way you can build a healthy, stable relationship where it's not causing you stress every single day of your life is when they are, yeah, a good person with good behavior. So one or the other isn't enough you need to have both. And a lot of people will ignore the behavior because they can see that they're a good person. So that's a big one that tends to come up. How do how does somebody get clear on what's acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable behavior for them? I think when you really work on your self-worth and your self-love, you'll start to realize actually it's not okay for somebody to criticize me. It's not okay for somebody to call me names. Hmm. And a lot of those behaviors so people often ask me is it can we can I do this work when I'm already in a relationship if I'm already in a toxic relationship what's going to happen and a lot of those behaviors can be changed if both people are at a place where they want to work on them and want to change them so it's not that you have to always get rid of the toxic person either but when you start to work on yourself start to love yourself you'll start to notice that there are some things that you just realize actually that's not okay i wouldn't do that to a child so i'm not going to let somebody do it to me and that's how, when you start to be able to identify those red flags you think things just i'll become... actually give you one yeah. more one more uh, trick is would you tell your friend it happened and be okay with that and would you expect them to be okay with that because a lot of the time we'll make excuses for a person will justify something in our head but your friend wouldn't make the same excuses for them so if you told your friend or you told your mom that a person said this to you or did this to you what would they say what would their reaction be and if you know that they're not going to be happy for you if you know that they Mm. wouldn't be as okay with it as you are that's a good sign that it's um that it's a red flag no that's good what was gonna what i was gonna say there was the i feel sometimes it's 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 when you're rationalizing stuff that can be a red flag to me that I'm trying to rationalize this in my mind. And what I've often found when you're doing the inner work, when you're working more on the self-acceptance, you don't even need to rationalize stuff. It just becomes obvious that I don't want to deal with that. That's not acceptable. Yeah. Um, but when I go into rationalizations, it's not clear and I muddle stuff, but that's good advice then to think about a friend. Would that be acceptable for them? Because it's the self-esteem part there on yourself. Do you feel like maybe I'm not good enough to not accept that? That's good. And the reason we rationalize something is that it's often easier 
depending on how you feel about yourself, it's often easier to justify being treated badly than it is to say something about it or to let somebody go who you actually like. Often those feelings can, or those um, actions to, to set a boundary and communicate how you want to be treated or to end something that's not working for you can be really hard for people if they have particularly wounds around um, fear of conflict, fear of drama, fear of rejection and fear of abandonment. That means that they will hold on to somebody and they will hold on to peace and stability more than actually something that's healthy for them and supportive for them. It's a fear of rejection and abandonment. Does that work both ways? As in, could you be not letting go of somebody because you fear rejecting them will hurt them? I guess so. Um, that hasn't been my own experience, but you could, I think you could adapt your behavior in a way not to hurt other people. So I think, yes, it probably, it probably could, but it's more common. The one that really comes up very, very often is fear of being rejected, fear of being yourself and not being accepted. And this makes so much sense because as humans, we evolved in, in tribes and you needed the tribe for your survival. And if you were not accepted by the tribe, you'd be an outcast and you, you would die really. And even as children, we need to be accepted by the people around us to survive. You know, animals can be self-sufficient from when they're born, but humans can't. Humans rely on uh, the adults around them for survival. So we have developed and evolved with this drive to make the others around us happy and to make them like us, to make them accept us. And that stays with us even when we're adults, when actually, if you're rejected, it doesn't mean you're not going to survive. That's, ne that's never going to be the result. But we have, we give it that much power as if we're going to die. So that's why we can be so afraid of rejection. It's a human instinct to be, uh, to be loved, to be accepted by the tribe so that we don't die. But that's never going to happen now. So you can once you start to realize that you can start to uh, speak to yourself in a way that says okay no I'm actually going to be safe if this person doesn't like me I'm still okay I'm still I've still got my house I've still got my friends I've still got my job I've still got you know my my hobbies actually my life is going to be okay if this one person doesn't like me and then that can give you the courage to break through that fear of rejection yeah I guess yeah yeah, and I saw website actually. You um, you've Kakawa on there too. What's the what's the connection between love and dating and, and Kakawa? So the cacao, so it's becoming so popular in Ireland at the moment. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's oh. a lot of people who've discovered the magic of cacao. But what it is, it's um, the cacao bean is what chocolate is made from. So it's the same raw ingredient that goes into a bar of chocolate but it's much uh, less processed. So it still retains a lot of the, a lot more nutrients, but there's also compounds in there that have, um, have an effect on your, your mind and your body. So there's different compounds that are um, associated with feelings of love 
and feelings of bliss. And so when you when you take this warm, delicious, chocolatey cacao drink, you're activating those um, those feelings of mm-hmm. of love, of warmth, of bliss. And you, you get feelings of, um, they call it heart opening, which is such a beautiful way to describe it, where you just feel expansive in your heart. The same feelings that you get when you're falling in love. And so you can simulate those and create them. And we do cacao in, in ceremony. So it becomes an event either. I mean, I do it on my own almost every day. Where you consciously are creating that feeling now there's thousands of different types of ceremonies but what i like to do is actually consciously creating those feelings and going into the reasons why you might be avoiding them why you might be fearful of them Mm. and helping you to get used to the idea of love being available and understanding what it feels like and that it's safe because a lot of people who want love will actually run when it comes along because there's a fear that maybe it's not safe or maybe it's not going to go um, go well. So by practicing and simulating that every day, you can start to believe that that's available to you. That's what's giving you an experience of, it, of it's coming up from within. That's where the feeling is coming from because when you're chasing these feelings outside yourself, it feels like it's coming externally, even though it's always coming up from within you. I suppose the other thing is that I suppose maybe there's some people that, mightn't have had a genuine experience of love and it could give them that experience so they see the contrast between that addiction to somebody rather than just a peaceful sense of love and bliss from within yeah yeah what you've said is so important for people to understand that love does not come from another person love is something that you tap into yourself and you might you will tap into it when you, you know, you meet somebody and you have this beautiful experience together because you're um, feeling safe to activate that feeling and somebody else helps you to do that. But that's a feeling that's inside of yourself that you can activate on your own. Um, and it may take a little bit of practice, but it is possible. And um, what was the second part that you said? Uh-huh just kind of chasing those feelings outside yourself and you know, just allowing it to come up from within. Mm, you said that, um, that the, the, it can give them the contrast to the addictive feeling. You're listening better <laughs> to me than I'm listening to myself. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's really true. So yeah. a lot of people will only have an experience of love. That's like a roller coaster. That's emotionally, exciting and draining and you know elevation and then crash and that's not sustainable if you want a lifelong partnership it can't be that way because that creates so much stress in your body and when you find a real healthy loving partnership it's much more stable feeling it's like safety it's calm and that is the the goal of how you would should want your lifelong relationship to be it shouldn't be a source of additional stress that you wouldn't have if you were alone actually people um who are in happy relationships 
their stress hormones drop when they're in the presence of their partner. So actually your partnership should be removing your stress from your life. Of course, Mm -hmm. there are going to be moments where it causes stress, but that shouldn't be the defining factor of the relationship. And like you said, being in presence with yourself, consuming this ceremonial cacao, which starts to generate those feelings of love. When you're doing that consciously, you start to understand what that feels like. And when you've experienced it, you can go out in your dating life and say, I want to find somebody who helps me stay in that feeling, who doesn't bring me out of it, who helps me to make that like my permanent state Mm. and who fits with that. And once you know that that's what you're looking for, then if somebody's bringing you down, you can say, okay, I know even though they're a nice person, I know that they're not going to be a good life partner for me. And so it really can help you to understand what's important to you and what you're looking for in a partner. Yeah, I'm, I think I've been recently more noticing that like the people I'm around to make me feel more where I'm allowing myself to be more at peace and just myself. I suppose you, you can even, even, you can even apply that just to friendships because friendships are relationships. They're you're, you're building relationships with people. And, uh, cause that was a pattern in my life looking back on it. Now, I don't know what might still be there. Uh, it was that, when I'd feel like uh, I'd feel love coming from somebody, I think there's a fear that it can be taken away because that person is giving it to me now, but they can take it away whenever they want. If they get pissed off at me again, it would be me not really being comfortable in myself then. Cause there's a fear that they're going to take away that love whenever they want. So it's, again, it's like not realizing where the feeling's coming from. Mm-hmm. They can only take it away if they're the source of the love, but actually you are the source of the love. Yeah. You just experience it alongside them and so if they go you still have the feelings that's the thing and then you're sharing that what kind of sharing it. so yes it's the fundamental inside out rather than outside in there I think yeah but it does it takes a quite a bit of work to get there if you're not there already because I do think we are conditioned to to base our feelings on the, the people around us um and to seek to seek approval, to seek validation, to seek love from the people around us. That's why people can get very um, resentful in relationships. If their partner is not fulfilling every need that they expect them to fulfill, people can get very resentful about that. Whereas if you come to the partnership knowing that you fulfill all of your needs, your partner fulfills all of their needs, and then you come together and work together in partnership, then you don't have the same kind of expectations from them. And so you're not putting yourself in a position where you can become resentful for them not fulfilling expectations that they didn't even know they signed up to. Yeah. I suppose the communication element there as well. Like, do you find it difficult having uncomfortable conversations, important conversations? Do you find it uncomfortable still and, and, and do it? Like, what's your experience of communication? Yeah, well, I'll tell you the first time I decided I had to set a boundary in relationships because my pattern before was to just not say anything, to get annoyed about it, to be stressed about it, to talk to myself for days about how I had to say something and still not being able to say anything. I was in, I was, I found it really difficult to set boundaries. And I do remember the first time that I decided I have to speak up because I'm not willing for this to be the situation forever. And so I had to decide I'm okay with 
um, this being a conflict or a fight, if that's how it goes. Um, and I had to be okay with that, which was hard. And it was just so funny because I don't remember exactly what the issue was, but let's say it was uh, communication. And I said, for example, I'm not okay with us communicating in this way. If, if we're gonna be friends, then we have to speak to each other uh, in a more respectful way, no shouting, no name calling. Uh, just, that's just an example. And I was expecting defensiveness, conflict, rejection, judgment, you know, you name it. In my head, every bad scenario that was possible had gone through my head. Except the one that actually happened, which was, yeah, you're right, I'm sorry. Hmm. <laughs> and once I realized that the fear of setting the boundary was far worse than actually setting the boundary, then I started to become more and more comfortable setting boundaries. Now I see them as very loving, actually, because if you don't set a boundary and you um, continue to uh, participate in the relationship that's not what you want it to be, you are um, you're creating that relationship and you're also setting yourself up for resentment, anger, conflict about something that was never discussed. Whereas when you really love a person, don't you want your relationship with them to be the best it can possibly be? And so now when I set boundaries, I see it from a place of, I really value this relationship and I'm not willing to let it go to a place where I'm resentful and where I lose the relationship. So in order to maintain this loving relationship with friend, family, partner, whatever it is, I have to communicate to them what I need for this relationship to exist. And so it comes from a loving place. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it, it's where you're coming from on it too. It plays a big role. Like you're not, um, you're not setting boundaries to keep people out. You're setting boundaries to establish more open communication and respect in the relationship so that there won't be unconscious resentments that hang, lingering around in the future. Exactly. exactly. Actually, from you work with men and women, do you, like do you see similarities in the problems that are being faced? Yeah, we we're all humans, and we all have um, the same issues at, at our core, which is a need to be loved, a need to be accepted, um, and a need to feel worthy. And that's typically what all of our issues come down to. And so, men and women might see their problems at the surface level as being different because we have different expectations from society and there'll be for example a lot more beauty expectations on women maybe a lot more financial and career expectations on men that's simply because of the rules that society created they're completely imaginary but that's what we grew up in and so that's what where we've learned to measure our worth um but at, at our core, it's all about um, feeling like we are enough the way we are. That's it. Feeling like you're enough just the way you are. And if everybody could feel enough, that would resolve most of their problems. Yeah. We understand a lot more about other people than as well. When you feel enough, you can listen better, I think. Yes. Yeah. You can connect better. 
you can put yourself um, in riskier situations in terms of like taking chances for your career or, you know, opening up and being vulnerable in a relationship because, you know, even if it doesn't work out, you're still enough. So you can create more of your dreams and what you desire for your life because you know that you're enough, whether you get it or not, you know that you're enough. It's good. It's a good message. So yeah, where, where would people find you online if they wanted to work with you? I am most active on Instagram. So my handle there is at eim.oneal. So people can find me there. You can send me a message there. And if you don't have Instagram, you can email info at emerhypnotherapy.com and I'll get your message. Um, there's lots of free information on my on my Instagram. There's a lot of good stuff for people who are just getting started. And for anybody who's noticed a particular problem that keeps coming up, send me a message. We'll talk about uh, how you may be able to resolve that. Perfect. And do you have any final words, I guess, for somebody going through lockdown, the pandemic, around dating and love? Is, is there any final words for them? Yeah, I would say, well, for lockdown in general, it's tough. Don't feel like you should have your shit together because it's really tough. And all of the darkness comes up when your um, normal roots of entertainment are taken away. So it's not a bad thing if you can sit with it. And so... For example, I, I used to love going out and being social and meeting people. And when I couldn't do that, there was a lot that came up for me that was causing anxiety or that was causing discomfort in not having distractions. And actually, I was lucky that I had the tools to work through it and was able to come out the other side. And now I don't have those issues anymore. So the fact that they're coming up is just an opportunity to deal with them. So that's my message on lockdown and regarding dating during lockdown, get online, get on the dating apps. If I truly believe dating apps are completely neutral and we use them whatever way we want to use them. And people, the most common thing I hear is that they're so superficial and you don't get real human connection. If you expect them to be that way, that will be your experience because you'll notice the superficial side and you'll, not uh, be making those human connections but actually the, the apps are completely neutral if you show up and you show more than just your pictures if you show your personality if you show all of that then you're not superficial and you'll start connecting with other people who aren't superficial and the other thing that i hear about apps is that people prefer dating in person because they know that, you know, when you see another human, you can tell if you have attraction, if you have chemistry, all of that. And I think just because it's different doesn't mean it's deficient. Online dating is not deficient to dating in person. It's simply you, you learn the information about them in a different order. So when you meet in person, first you see if you have attraction, if you have chemistry, but you know nothing about them. You know nothing. You don't know what their hobbies are. You don't know what their values are, nothing. So you have to have conversations to get to know them, to see if they might be a good match. And with online dating, it's the reverse. You actually see all about them first. 
you see, um, well, if they have a good profile where they show some of their hobbies, some of what they like to do, they um, maybe put a bit of their interests in their bio, you actually learn about the person before you ever say a word to them. And then you see, <clears throat> excuse me, you see if they might be a good match to move to a date. And then on the date, then you see if there's attraction in chemistry. So it's just reversed. It's not, it's not worse. And so people will think nobody likes change. Change is uncomfortable for, for society. And so people will find all the reasons that the old way is better than the new way. But if you think about all of the things that we've progressed through technologically that the older generation resisted and resisted and resisted. And when it was finally embraced by the newer generation, it was found to be so much better. And maybe online dating is one of those things that we're resisting it because we're forced to change now and we don't want to change because we're used to the old way of doing things. But actually it has all these benefits that when, as long as we're resisting, we're not figuring out what they are. So I would encourage everyone to just get on them without judgment and try and see who you meet. That may, now, I liked how you summed that up so simply. It's just the reverse order of information. Like what, what I get from you there is just, it's really about changing it from unconscious dating to conscious dating. It doesn't matter what okay. the medium is. Totally. It's like once you're conscious, that's the key point. Like you that. have to know what you're looking for with online dating, because it tends to be, there tends to be a lot of options. And if you try to speak to every single person, you'll burn out before you meet somebody mm. who's a good match for you. So it would be like trying to do your online shopping, trying to like buy a particular item of clothing that you're looking for. If you want a white t-shirt, going on to the store and, and looking at all items and scrolling through and trying to find that white t-shirt. Nobody does that. You go to the section that has tops and then you filter by white and by t-shirt and by size that you want. And there it is, it pops up in front of you. Now we don't have those filter tools on the apps. You can't say, I want somebody with this color hair, this height, whatever. You can't say that, but you can in your profile. You can put in what's important to you. You can show who you are so that you attract somebody who likes you the way you are. And so you can start to use the tools you have to start to filter people to get better matches. And then once you're getting better matches, you're going to spend much less energy on people who are never a good match to begin with. Yeah. I guess you'll enjoy it more as well when you've got better matches. For sure. Because yeah. your conversations will be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You learn something new all the time then. Yeah. Not perfect. Thanks, Emer. I could talk about this all day. I like... Uh, it's a new area for me, really, in the love and dating when it comes to the mind. I, I like exploring the what you're talking about there with hypnotherapy and the patterns. I think the patterns are really important, yet a lot, a lot of people think about that. So I wanted to talk to you about that. But yeah, thanks again for taking your time out today, Emer. Thank you for having me. And yeah, it's important to, um, to deal with the subconscious patterns at the dating stage or else they're just going to show up in the relationship. So better to, start, to do it. When you're single, start off the relationship on, on a really strong footing yeah. and, uh, and create the foundations for a really fantastic relationship. Good message. Okay, so yeah, thanks again for listening. Until next time, have fun and enjoy the process. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.